We're going to begin by praying. Lord God, we welcome your voice to speak to us today. We welcome the voice of your Holy Spirit to minister to us today. We pray during this time that your word would become would come alive to each one of us and that we would walk out of here. If every one of us today, Lord God, walked out of here having heard one little thing from the voice of your spirit, this would be a wealthy day. I pray that you would allow me to speak your word today and to say what you want me to say and to refrain from saying what you don't want me to say. Let us all hear you, Lord God. We pray in the name of Jesus and everybody said, Amen. Amen. The church which is his body, the old hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers. And that's what this is. This is God. As a matter of fact, the last message in this series will be, I'm not sure about the title, but it'll be the topic will be boots on the ground. God's army going out into society, going out into the culture. The difference is God's army doesn't go out to do violence and doesn't go out with carnal weapons. We go out with the word of God. We go out with the spirit of God and the gospel and we, we shed and, and uh, plant that gospel all over the culture as much as we can. And so the church, which is his body, doing his work in the earth until he comes back, until he consummates his kingdom, we have a mission to do. We have a mission to accomplish. And so we've been dealing with these tools that he gives us. We call the dynamic gifts of the spirit. So today we find ourselves arriving at the gift of faith. And um, this is, uh, again, something that comes, or that, that we is ministered to us by the Holy Spirit as, a, as himself. This is a manifestation of God's Spirit in our lives, the gift of faith. The gift of faith, we'll see today, prompts and enables action. Everybody say action. Because sometimes we think of faith as just, you know, straining and believing and straining and, 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 and that's, there's some, there's an element there of truth, but the majority of truth is that faith prompts us to action. And we'll see that today. Uh, and, and the statement that I'll make is that every follower of Jesus Christ should expect times when a supernatural trust and belief in God comes over us. And I, I would hasten to add to that I would suppose that this is one of those gifts that all of us, or if not most of us, have operated in and been ministered to or through, and we weren't even aware of it. All of us can identify times when we had a faith or we had a trust in a moment that we didn't even realize what it was. And I can tell you now, because we, when we see the gifts of the Spirit, sometimes we think we got to hear music. Or we gotta hear the angels singing when we, when God ministers a gift through us, and that's not necessarily the case. It can be true, but it's not necessarily the case. I was listening this morning to the Perrys, and how many of you know who the Perrys are? They said, yeah, there are people who live down the block. No, I'm talking about a singing group called the Perrys, uh, and, uh, I don't, Ken may know who the guy was. I heard a guy testifying, uh, during a song that the doctor had told him he would never speak again, much less sing. And then he told him, he said, actually, if you'll go to therapy, we might can get you to where you can talk a little bit, but it won't be good. And he was dealing with that. And he went home and he told his wife, because the doctor told him, he said, your career as a gospel singer is over. And he was really down. And and uh, and so the group went out without him for a couple of weeks. And he just, 
he, he got by himself for three days and just read the scripture and prayed, read the scripture and prayed. And finally, he just basically said, Lord, I need you to touch me. I need a touch from you like I've never needed one before. And began to pray. And he said the more he prayed, he said at first his, his voice barely could come out of him. He said the more he prayed, the better his voice started to get. And the better his voice started to get. And, of course, his wife came home, and he had his bags packed, and she was angry with him. She said, why don't you just believe what the doctor told you? He said, I'm not going to believe what the doctor told me because I got God's told me something else. And by then, he had his voice back. And, of course, I'm listening to a recording of him singing Amazing Grace. You know what happened in that moment? God gave him a gift of faith, and he didn't even know it. God gave him this surge in that moment. Of being able to just reach out to God and let God be God. And we'll be dismissed now because that's all we need to do. <laughs> we will also have see some biblical examples as well as applications of this gift of faith. So if you would turn to 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm going to change up just a smidgen today. We're going to read the same verses, but I'm going to read them in the Christian Standard Bible. Um, and because I didn't, I have a Holman Christian Standard Bible. I learned something today that I didn't know that there's evidently a slight difference between the Holman Christian Standard Bible and the Christian Standard Bible. I didn't know that. So, um, and the, the notes that some of you are looking at on your phone or your tablet have the Christian Standard Bible. So we're going to read that, but I got to read it on my iPad. Are you okay with that? Sure. Two people are okay. Would you stand while we read verses 1 through 12? Uh, the Baptists don't have a corner on this. We can read it too. <laughs> now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit to another, the performing of miracles to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues. One in the same spirit is active in all these distributing to each person as he wills. You can be seated as he wills. We divided these gifts into three categories the revelatory gifts we just finished, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. And now we get into the power gifts, uh, gift of faith, gift of healing, and gift of miracles. We may combine healing and miracles because there's a very thin line between those two. We'll see how that works out. But today we find ourselves looking at the gift of faith. And uh, we, as, as we've done in the past, we will begin by looking at what the gift of faith is not. 
because we always have assumptions that we, we take on. And, of course, the first thing we must say is that the gift of faith is not optimism. Now, optimism is good. I'd, I'd rather you see a half full than half empty when you look at that glass. But uh, but it's not optimism. So someone said, and I don't remember, I need to start writing down who, who I get these quotes from, but I've had them so long I don't remember who said it. The optimist proclaims that we live in the best of all possible worlds. And the pessimist fears this is true. <laughs> so faith is not just optimism, although I like to be around optimistic people, but it's, that's not what, especially the gift of faith is not that. The gift of faith is not the faith that saves us. Very important. Very important that we get saved. As a matter of fact, you can't even have the gift of faith unless you are saved. You need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We read verses like, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Uh, and then we have been justified by faith. This is saving faith. This is the faith that brings us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Our faith and our trust in God that gives us the confidence that we can live our daily lives, that is different from the gift of faith that causes us to believe beyond, everybody say beyond, beyond our own ability for a particular situation or need. And this distinguishes the gift of faith and saving faith. Certainly we need saving faith. But to understand what God does with the gift of faith, it's in that moment, it's in that particular situation that causes us to believe Beyond, And I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. Uh, another thing that the gift of faith is not is the fruit of the Spirit. And the only reason I say that is because uh, there's about three versions out there. Uh, the King James, interestingly enough, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, and I think the uh, Young's Literal Translation all include faith in the fruit of the Spirit. It's not a bad translation. It's just... It's just not complete, I don't think. Because uh, it, most versions, and probably every version that you are holding in your hand, will say faithfulness there, as far as the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and because faithful, it's really, it's really a, a product of our being with God. Um, faith, we're faithful because of faith. That's how come we put the two there. We're faithful because of, of, of that we're having faith and trust in God. The fruit, the word fruit there in Galatians 5.22, if you want to make a note, the word fruit is that which is produced by the inherent energy of a living organism. In other words, it's a work being done in us by the energy of the Holy Spirit, by the inherent energy of God's Holy Spirit in us. It's a work producing character in us. We said there's a difference between gift and character. And here's the difference. Saving faith gets us into heaven. Aren't you glad? And, and you already told me you're glad that when you do get to heaven, Jesus is going to be there. You said Jesus is going to be there. Amen. You'll have to forgive me. I spent yesterday at a men's conference here in Lebanon. There was over 200 men at that men's conference, by the way. And uh, Brother Bobby Sanders was speaking, African-American brother of mine, and yours too. And the majority of the men in the room were African-Americans. There were probably 20 or 30 of us that weren't. And, you know, they preach. 
I didn't say he preached. I said they preached. And, you know, so anyway, I'm not going to do like he does because I can't. But saving faith gets us into heaven. Fruit, The fruit of faith gets heaven into us. Can we see the difference there? Saving faith gets us out of the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of his dear son, gets us into heaven. The fruit of his faith gets heaven into us. And the gift of faith allows us to be a conduit for bringing heaven to earth. That's the process. Saving faith changes us, redeems us, converts us. Fruit of faith gets heaven into us. The gift of faith in those moments gets heaven into a situation through us. I know you don't feel heavenly sometimes, but that's all right. The Holy Spirit in you is heavenly. And you can say amen right there. I guess I got too used to hearing that yesterday. <laughs> I want to talk just for a minute about God's faith. That might be an odd thing, but in Mark eleven twenty two, and we're not going to turn, but uh, a lot of almost every version that you have will say have faith in God, and almost every commentary, every reliable source that I go to and resource that I go to says that really and truly, the, the literal translation there is to have the faith of God. And you say, well, does God have faith? Well, he, he kind of does. But that really what they mean there, when they say have the faith of God, it means to make use of the faith which God has, that has God for its author. Make use of that faith which has God for its author, which is the work of God. So have the faith of God or have the faith that comes from God. Have the faith we receive from God. We cannot produce faith on our own, whether it be saving faith or the gift of faith. We cannot produce it on our own. We must receive the faith that it has God as its author. And when you experience that moment in the gift of faith, whatever that may be, you are experiencing the faith that comes from God. Remembering that faith is trusting, not just believing something is true. It's different than just believing something or somebody is true, but putting our trust. So what kind of faith does God have? Well, let me ask you this. When, when God spoke the universe into being, God said, let there be. Do you think he was wringing his hands, wondering, worrying? I don't know how this is going to come out. I mean, Holy Spirit, I hope you do what you're supposed to do. No, that's not God. He he, he doesn't he doesn't work that way. Uh, when God said let there be light, was did he think he doubted there was going to be light? When God did he worry uh, that he could make that ball of dirt into Adam? No, God is is how am I going to say this? God doesn't have faith. God is faith. And when we touch God, we touch faith. And God never worried. And God still doesn't worry. You, you think God's worried about you. No, he's not worried about you. God does not lay awake at night like you do your children, especially when they get grown, worrying about them. He doesn't do that. He's not wringing his hands, worrying you're going to do the wrong thing. Because he can fix it. We should wring our hands so we don't do the wrong thing, not necessarily. But God can fix it no matter. 
So what is this gift of faith? What is the gift of faith that we're talking about? Well, I think you probably got an idea. But how about this? Maybe it's the supernatural ability to believe God without doubt. Again, momentary. None of us can live our lives every moment of every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. None of us can do that living without doubt 100% of the time. If you can, would you tell me? Well, i tell you what. If you can, write a book and we'll live off the proceeds. Because <laughs> nobody can. But in that moment, supernatural ability to believe God without doubt. Maybe it's the supernatural ability to meet adverse circumstances. With trust and belief in God's messages. The Spirit-Filled Life Bible tells us that the gift of faith is a unique form of faith that goes beyond natural faith and saving faith. It supernaturally trusts and does not doubt with reference to the specific matters involved. Supernaturally trusts and does not doubt with reference to the specific. Say specific. You can say that again, specific. Specific ocean, that's what we're talking about. I've been referencing Dennis Bennett uh, recently, and I'm not going to go back to that, but he, he says that the gift of faith, or said, he's in heaven now, a sudden surge of faith, usually in a crisis, to confidently believe without a doubt that as we act or speak in Jesus' name, it shall come to pass. It's that moment. It's just like this that singer sitting in his living room, believing that when he prayed, God was going to touch him. That came through the gift of faith. That came from that supernatural surge that he had in that moment. The gift of faith is the divine enablement to act. On God's promises and direction with confidence and unwavering belief in God's ability to fulfill his purpose. I want to emphasize the words there to act. I mentioned earlier that we want to see that the gift of faith prompts action. Mark chapter 2, we're not going to turn. There's a bunch of guys that have this friend who has a problem. And Jesus is holding a meeting in someone's house, and they try to get their friend to Jesus. They can't get into the house because it's packed, everywhere's blocked. And so they come up with an with an uh, idea to tear the roof off the house. I'm sure the owner appreciated that. <clears throat> uh, maybe he had some shingles. I don't know. But anyway, that's another topic. Um, I know you got to groan at those. <laughs> they tear the roof off, and they lower the guy down into the house where Jesus is. How desperate do we get when we need to approach the throne of God? Do we do we do whatever's necessary, or do we just say, "Oh, that's, well, that's a big crowd of people. Let's go to let's go to McDonald's and get a milkshake." I like James Owen said, "McDonald's is cheaper than food." <laughs> I ate there the other day, and I was reminded he's right. <laughs> Might as well get cardboard and put ketchup on it. They lowered him down through the roof. And the scripture says, watch this, when Jesus saw their faith. First of all, by a side note, you say, well, you, you don't have enough faith. You can't get healed. Not true. He didn't say anything about that guy having faith. 
He saw his friend's faith. But it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, of course, that got him in trouble, your sins are forgiven you. That's a whole different topic. But I'm reading that verse and I'm thinking, you know, how, how did Jesus see their faith? How do you see faith? I mean, what does faith look like? I mean, is it an expression on your face? Is it a smile? Well, I can tell you what it looks like. It looks like lowering him down into the room from the roof. Everybody say action. It's an action. Most of the time, the gift of faith will move us to action. And those guys, they didn't know what was going to happen. But they just thought, hey, let's get him down there to this guy who seems to be healing people. And their faith drove them. I mean, why else would you tear the roof off of somebody's house? And get some rope and lower your friend down into the middle of that house. Why else would you do that except that you had some faith in what was going on and in that moment? Enough faith to say, let's do it. We'll rebuild him another roof. It's kind of like the story about the guy who's standing by the Niagara Falls. And he's watching this, this uh, I don't know what he is. Anyway, this guy who's taking a wheelbarrow. And he's walking across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And they say, he's going to do that. And this this guy, he says to this guy, he says, hey, do you really believe he can do that? He said, well, yeah, I believe he can do that. That's why I'm here. I want to see him do it. He said, do you really believe he can do it? Yeah, I do. We'll get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> mm, he thinks I let my words overload my, anyway. Faith is his action. Lord, help me. John 3, again, I'm not, I'm just turning to read one verse if you're taking notes at the end of the chapter. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who will not obey the Son will not see life. Did you hear the, did you hear the connection there? The one who believes and then the one who does not obey. It's the same word in the Greek text. Believe and obey are interchangeable. And if you, I tell people, if you believe God, you will obey God. If you don't obey God, it's because you don't believe God. Go go ahead and say, oh me. Mm. The gift of faith sees through the immediacy of the situation And the writer of Hebrews says, as seeing him who is invisible. Seeing through the immediacy of that situation as seeing him who is invisible. How do you see him who is invisible? With faith, with eyes of faith. The supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God that miraculously drops the assurance of the answer to one's prayers into his or her heart in that moment, gift of faith. You have that surge. Let's look at some biblical examples, starting with Abraham. Romans 4 tells us that Abraham believed God, and therefore it was credited to him as righteousness. It was into his account as righteousness because he believed God. How could he believe God? Now, this is the same guy. Don't miss this. This is the same guy who told his wife, tell the king, you're my sister. Because I'm afraid. Why was he afraid? He was unbelieving. 
It was a half-truth because Sarah was his half-sister. He was from the southern part of the Ur of the Chaldeans. <laughs> Some of you didn't get that. It's like the guy said, I went up to a fellow and he said, let me introduce you to my wife and to my sister. And there was one lady standing there. Okay, I'm from the south. I can make fun of us. So that doesn't happen up north. I bet it does. But anyway, that's another. This is the same guy who had enough disbelief and enough lack of trust in God that he had his wife tell a half lie twice, not just once, twice. Same guy. So how in the world could he all of a sudden believe? Gift of faith. Gift of faith. It's the gift of faith that caused him to be able to proclaim that God's going to give him a son even though he didn't have a son. Even though he didn't see any natural evidence. Same guy who could say, yes, I believe. The Bible says his body was as good as dead. Now, some of us in this room, were beginning to fall apart a little here and a little there. Steve Nickens told me today he's already fallen apart, but I doubt that. This guy's body was as good as dead, and yet he could say, we're going to have a son. And yet, here's the same guy who tried to help God, and Ishmael was the result of that. Abraham understood, and you'll see this in Romans 4.17, that God calls into being that which does not exist. Now, let me just hasten to stick this right in here. This is not name it and claim it. I want to tell you the difference between that, name it and claim it, and what we're seeing here in the Scripture. Name it and claim it is I'm taking the initiative. I'm telling God what he's going to do. I claim that I'm going to have a Cadillac. I don't want a Cadillac. I like my Ford just fine. But I claim that I'm going to drive a Cadillac. So, God, you've got to give me a Cadillac. That's name it and claim it. The reverse of that is God says to Abraham, you're going to have a son. So God's word, everybody say word, word, is that he's going to have a son. So Abraham says, God said, I'm going to have a son. He has called something into existence that didn't exist. I'm not t- taking the initiative. God's taking the initiative. We, have, we now have our lesson on the difference between name it and claim it and good theology. Yes. Name it and claim it is bad theology. Why? Because anytime we take the initiative from God, we're, we're blowing it. This gift of faith allowed him to go up the mountain with Isaac. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead. Going up that mountainside with his son. Now, that's a gift of faith. That's a surge of faith that causes you to take, to, to go up the mountain with your son with, for the specific purpose of putting him on, on an altar and sacrificing him to God. We know the story that God stopped him. God had to yell a couple of times to stop him, but he stopped him. That's faith. You know what else? There's some faith here involved here with, uh, with Isaac. Uh, let me just say this. Too many times in our Sunday school literature or our Bible stories, we see Isaac as this little bitty boy going up, holding his daddy's hand, going up the mountainside. 
I'm going to submit to you that that's not true. Or let me just say, that's inaccurate. It, using three or four different checkpoints, one being uh, in the when the word the word lad he calls him a lad going up the mountain in in Hebrew culture that would have been at least twelve thirteen fourteen years old to be called a lad. Uh, probably the the most important thing to me is that the Bible tells us that Isaac was the one carrying the wood up the mountain. Now, five, six-year-old kid's not going to be able to do that. So I'm going to tell you that I believe Isaac was anywhere from 13. Some people have him as high as 46. Josephus, who's a very reliable extra-biblical source, was a contemporary of, of our Lord. Josephus says that he believed Isaac was 25 years old. But I do know he was old enough to carry a load of wood. Abraham, his dad, was not carrying it. Because remember, he, he's a hundred years old. Isaac is carrying the load of wood. So he's strong enough to carry this load of wood. So he, he's also old enough to make a decision. And he's old enough and he's strong enough to resist his daddy. When he realizes that he's the sacrifice. And yet, what does Isaac do? Nothing. I mean, up, going up the mountain, he said, I don't, we don't have a sacrifice. And Abraham said, the Lord's going to provide. Again, Abraham has got this surge of faith. And he, it says he thought even if he was to kill Isaac, God would raise him from the dead because he was the promise. Abraham knew that God had given him Isaac as the promise. And he knew that even if somehow he died, God was going to raise him from the dead. Same guy who had his wife lie, by the way. Don't miss that. Because you think, well, this is a great man of power and faith. Not all the time. Not all the time. Gift of faith gives us the faith to endeavor in a project. By means of this charismatic gift, things that are otherwise impossible are actually accomplished in the course of our service to the Lord. Accomplishment. Noah is building the ark. He comes home from the meeting and he says to his wife, God said it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights and I'm going to be building an ark. And his wife says, what is rain? Because they hadn't seen rain. He's going to build a boat, which takes him 80 to 90 years to build this boat. And for 80 to 90 years, his neighbors and his friends were driving by on their scooters. Look at that crazy guy. He says it's going to flood. He said he's talking about something called rain. What is rain? Noah's building this. Why? How could he do that? Except that God gives him this surge of faith and trust. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. In godly fear, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. And he became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Never seen a flood, never seen rain, 70 to 80 years to build the ark. And so God gives him, this is the same guy who gets in trouble later on. Same guy in that moment, in that time. And guess what? His gift of faith prompted him to action. He didn't just sit over in the corner and say, boy, I got some faith for this. God's going to help us. He got out his hammer and his nails or whatever they used, probably pegs. 
and began to work. The gift of faith helps us with victory over our enemies. It was the gift of faith that enabled Joshua and the Israelites to march around Jericho seven times in seven days, culminating in Joshua, saying to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. You're walking around this city for seven days. And, you know, the guys in the camp are going, what are we doing? Except we don't see any indication of mumbling or grumbling. We don't see any indication. We certainly don't see any with Joshua. How is walking around for seven days, how is that going to give us victory? Well, there's a gift of faith working here. Of course, you know the story. They walk around seven days. The sixth day, they might have been wondering, but the seventh day, the walls fall down and they gain a victory. Because God gave them. There's also a gift of faith in God performing his word. And it was by the gift of faith, Elijah was confident enough to say, hey, put some wood on there and get your God, tell your God to make it, turn it on, uh, put it on fire. Start the fire. Tell your God to, well, nothing happened. And, and Elijah, you got to like Elijah. He says, hey, uh, where's your God? He's not, he's not, there's no fire. Where's your, you know, he may be sleeping. He may be just off having a good time somewhere. Maybe, you know, maybe that's why it's not burning. Elijah, the first trash talker. (laughs) And then he said, well, I guess nothing's going to happen. So let's, I'll tell you what, let's put some, put some more wood on there. Now I'll tell you what I want you to do. Let's pour a bunch of water on it. Now, that's not enough. Pour some more water. One more time. Another soaking it. How could you do that? Except you have this surge of faith that God has given you in that moment. Again, just a little while later, this is the guy who's running and hiding from uh, Jezebel. He's scared. He doesn't trust God enough to stick around. And yet in this moment, he said, put some more water on that. Okay, God, boom, fire. Burns up everything because of the gift of faith. Are you seeing how this is working? I'll get the verse up there. Peter, acts of healing. Peter and John are walking into the gate beautiful, and they see the lame man sitting by the gate. This is, I think, do I have the reference? Yeah, Acts 3. Sitting by the gate, and Peter and John, they walk up to the, to the gate, and there's this guy, and he's asking for money. Asking for alms, the scripture says. And Peter looks at him and he says, well, you know, I'm a preacher, so I don't have any money. That's a joke. I do have a dollar in my pocket, I think. But I got something that I can give you. He didn't go there to pray for this guy. He and John went there to the, to, to pray at the temple. But he saw the guy. He said, I got something I can give you. I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold, but I'll give you what I got. So get up from there. The guy's probably thinking, well, come on now. I just wanted some shekels. So he reached over and he grabbed the guy by the hand. Now, how could he grab the guy by the hand and lift him up? Now, this is the guy who just a little while earlier was denying Jesus around a fire. This is the guy who cut the, the guard's ear off because he missed And he thinks I'm done. 
And yet in this moment, there's a surge of faith going through him. I don't know if John's looking at him thinking, what do you think you're doing, dude? But he reaches over to get the guy by the hand. Why? Because he's got the gift of faith working and there's no doubt in him. He picks the guy up. And as soon as he picks the guy up, the Bible says his ankles were strengthened. Because Peter had the gift of faith working in that moment. By the way, this is the same Peter who just a little while later is going to get confronted by Paul because he's being hypocritical by eating with the, with the Gentiles until the Jews show up and then he won't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Same Peter. Where'd that faith go? Gift of faith. Surge of faith. Aren't you glad for Peter? Brother Charles always says Peter's a great guy because he gets every one of us in. We all get in because of Peter. If he, if he doesn't have the gift of faith and he reaches to pick that guy up and he falls back down, that's embarrassing. You might get a lawsuit. Then there's a miracle. Speaking of Peter, they called Peter to, because Tabitha had died. Tabitha or Dorcas, she had a Gentile Jewish name. She had died. And by the way, uh, what had she done to cause everybody to think so much of her? And what had she done for the city to get into such an uproar at her death? I mean, had she been leading evangelical revivals? Had she been, what had she been doing? What caused them? She'd been making purple linens for the people in the city. And I say that because some of you think, well, because I'm not a minister, pastor, elder, deacon, Bible teacher, because I don't do these great things of power and faith, that I'm not really important in God's kingdom. All she did was make purple linens, purple overcoats and things for the people in the city. And when she died, there was such an uproar, they had to go get Peter. Acts 10. But anyway, Peter enters the room. And he didn't even address the body. He didn't even address the body of Tabitha laying there until he had turned and went over in the corner and prayed. And he received from God a word which gave him a gift of faith. And then he went and touched Tabitha. She was raised from the dead. I assume she went back to sewing. But whatever she was doing was valuable. Whatever you're doing is valuable. If you're doing it as unto the Lord and for his kingdom. Often in our lives, we're faced with decisions and opportunities. We're faced with challenges. Maybe even we're faced with problems. And they require us to have an uncommon faith so that we can continue through that process. Many times, saints, God will not deliver you out of the situation, but he'll deliver you through the situation. We we always want him to get us out. But most of the time, there are times he gets you out, but most of the time he wants to get you through. He doesn't want to take you out of the storm. He just doesn't want the storm to get in you. And because you're in a storm doesn't mean that it has to get in you. You don't have to be governed by your circumstances. So there's times that we need, don't, we don't just need a faith, but we need an uncommon faith in that moment. 
That's the gift of faith. Look at this verse. I think I have a, a slide for this one. Second Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.3, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, because your faith is greatly enlarged. Your faith is greatly enlarged. If you had a Strong's exhaustive concordance or something like that, you would find out that the wording there in the original language means to increase above. Everybody say above. To increase above ordinary degree or beyond measure. To to increase above what would be ordinary. To increase beyond what would be normal. And Paul says, I pray that your faith would be enlarged. And so I pray for you that in those moments, whether it be what any of the things we've listed or anything we haven't, that you might be in a need, I pray that your faith would increase beyond measure and beyond degree in that moment for that moment. Yeah, you might be acting like a, a goober a week later or that afternoon. I mean, it was... It was a very short period of time between Elijah watching God burn up the wood in the water and he's running down the road from Jezebel. I mean, it's just a short period of time. It didn't take him long because in that moment he had the gift of faith. Whatever whatever you're facing, whatever you will face, I pray that your faith would be enlarged and would be increased above ordinary degree and beyond measure for that moment, for that time. Are you good for that? Stand with me. We'll say one last thing. Again, quoting 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Earnestly desire the gift of faith. Earnestly, zealously desire the gift of faith. Knowing that it comes from God through the Holy Spirit to you in that moment.